Very good. Turn, if you would, today to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we have to gather together this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would use this message to be a help to us. I pray, Lord, that we would allow you to speak to our hearts any way that uh, would be necessary, and, Lord, that we would uh, be different because of our time together today. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'm going to remind us a little bit of what we've talked about in the last couple of messages because it has been a couple of weeks since we've been in our study of James and I know it's easy to forget what we have uh, looked at and addressed. And so I want to remind us that whenever we came to chapter 2, we watched as James began dealing with the subject of discrimination and partiality. That was something that was obviously happening in the church there uh, that uh, James was writing to, the believers that he was writing to. And what we found in those messages was this, is that the discrimination and the partiality had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with ethnicity, anything of that nature. It had to do with a person's appearance and their appeared social standing in life. We noticed that those who were wealthy, those who had on the, the fine clothes, those who had the, the public appearance that anyone would kind of be envious of, those people were treated well, but if somebody was poor and came in in dirty clothes, they were mistreated, they were disrespected, and James reminded them that whenever you show partiality and you discriminate in any manner, it is sin. It doesn't matter how the culture views it, it doesn't matter how uh, popular it may be, whenever a person discriminates and whenever a person shows partiality, it is sin. And so I tried to remind us a couple of weeks ago that it is still sin for you and I, and that can manifest itself in so many different ways. It may not happen at church, it may not happen around God's people, but if we're not careful, we can be the type of people in our daily lives who we automatically draw assumptions about people and we stereotype and, and we have all these opinions in our minds, not based on fact, but just based on things that we perceive. And whenever we discriminate, whenever we show an unjust partiality, it is sin. James went so far as to liken it or to compare it to adultery and murder. And it's not to suggest that the consequences are the same, but I think James was trying to show us that whenever we engage in discrimination or partiality, we are as guilty of violating God's law as the one who murders or commits adultery. And so we've got to see our sin for what it really is, the equality of sin in the eyes of God. Again, not by way of consequence, but it is sin and it is disobedience to God's will. So that in mind, this morning we're going to continue on. And as we do, I want us to think about something that I would suspect all of us are familiar with uh, to some extent. But I want us to think this morning about a boomerang. Think about a boomerang this morning. Now, some of you are probably going to know what I'm about to tell you. I was unaware of this until this week. But I, I didn't know that there are two types of boomerangs in this world today. Here's the first type one that's actually useful. Somebody who is skilled with boomerangs, they are capable of using that as a weapon in the sport or in the arena of hunting, okay? Now, you know that that's not any arena of life that I ever endeavor into, and so I have no idea how that kind of a boomerang would work. Here is the one that I'm familiar with, and it's strictly used for recreation. 
It's that boomerang that's kind of an L shape or a 90 degree shape and, and it's curved just right and whatever the design of it is. And if you throw it into the wind with the right curvature and the right power and all this other stuff, here's what we know that boomerang is going to do. It's going to come back to the one who threw it, correct? Now, we may not know how it happens. We may not understand all the aerodynamics of it. We may not understand the science behind it, but it does actually work. You throw that boomerang just right, and it will come back to you at some point. Whenever my brother and I were growing up and in the home somewhere, he came across one, a toy boomerang, and it was one of the recreational type, not the hunting ones. And we would go outside every once in a while, and we would throw it. And sure enough, if you knew what you were doing, it came back to you. So this morning, here's what I want us to think about for just a moment, is the boomerang effect. It's coming back. It's coming back to you at some point. It's coming back to me at some point. We might say it like this, what we're about to look at, we're throwing it just right. We really are, whether we realize it or not, we're throwing it just right, and it will come back to us at some point. So that in mind, keep this also in mind that James is dealing with the subject of discrimination and partiality and the sinfulness of it and how it ought not be a part of a believer's life. And as you think about that, as we look in chapter 2 and verse number 12, here's what we find toward the last part of the verse. James says, that shall be judged by the law of liberty. That shall be judged by the law of liberty. So we're going to deal with this in its context in just a couple of moments, but I want us to see this, that, that James was in agreement with writers like Paul, with writers like Peter, with someone like Christ, and here is what James was declaring, and here is what James was reminding his audience of, that there is coming a day of judgment. There is coming a day of judgment. James was writing to believers. This is very important that we know this. He was not writing to lost people in this scenario. He was writing to believers, and he was reminding them of the same thing that is said throughout the Scripture, that there is a day of judgment even for the child of God. There is coming a day when a child of God is going to stand before the Lord, and as I have said on many occasions, and you are aware of this, when you and I stand before the Lord, when any believer stands before the Lord, the issue at hand will not be our salvation. That is already determined. That is already taken care of. That is already known unto God. And our lives are already known unto God. We've dealt with that extensively on Wednesday nights recently. But, but here is what James is saying, is we are going to stand before God and we are going to give an account for this life that we lived. I am going to stand before God one day as a child of God and I will have to give an answer for how I live this life. You are going to stand before God, hopefully as a child of God, one day, and you will have to give an answer for the life that you were given. Not one of us will escape that. So in verse number 12, here's what he said. He said, So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. He, he lets them know what the criteria of the judgment is going to be founded upon or rooted in. He said, it is the law of liberty. 
You know what you and I are going to be judged by and every believer is going to be judged by? It is going to be the perfect word of God, or as described in James, the law of liberty. Whenever you and I stand before God, we need to be reminded of this, that culture will not be the standard by which we are examined. God will not say, well, what generation did you live in? What century did you live in? Oh, you were a 21st century Christian. Okay, well, we've got a different set of rules for you. God will not say, oh, you were one of the millennials. Okay, well, we've got a different standard for you. God's not going to say, oh, well, well, you were a generation X, or you were a generation Y, or you were a part of the greatest generation ever according to the, to, to the standards or the positions of some, and, and so we've got a different rule for you. No, whenever we stand before God, the Word of God is going to be what our lives are measured against. When we stand before God, it will not be our culture. It will not be our society. It will not be family and friends and what they view to be important as to what we are judged by. I know I've said this before, but I want us to be reminded of this. Whenever I stand before God, it will do me no good to explain to God what Susie thought. Well, you know, Susie and I, we visited about this, and Lord, we came to this conclusion, and we felt good about this, and, and so that's why we did what we did. God will say, listen, Susie was never the standard. You will be judged according to the Word of God. I won't be able to say, well, God, you understand the way that I was raised. You know, my parents said this, and my parents said this. This is how they taught me, and this is how they instructed me. And while all that may be true, and while all that may be so, in the end, I will stand there and give an account for my life according to His Word and nothing else. Are we hearing this? I will give an account according to the Word of God, not what this culture says, not what society says, not what family says, not what friends say, and it sure won't matter what I thought about the matter. You know, Lord, I know that that's what's happening. I know, Lord, that that's what you're saying. But, you know, as I lived my life, I just didn't feel like that was necessary. He doesn't care what we feel. Well, you know, Lord, I just kind of came to this conclusion. I just kind of thought about it. And, and you know, I just thought that this was probably a pretty good way for me to go. Again, he's not worried about what we think. Whenever I stand before the Lord, when you stand before the Lord, when any child of God stands before the Lord, here is what the basis of the judgment will be. It will be God's word. We will either be in line with God's Word or we will be out of line with God's Word. We will have either sought to live in obedience to God's Word or we will have lived in disobedience to God's Word. But at the end of the day, we better always be mindful of this, that it is God's Word that our lives will be measured against. So, Paul, so James said, So speak ye and so do. What does that mean? It means you better live in light of this. You better speak. You better do. You better act. You better live in light of the fact that you are going to be judged by the law of liberty, by the word of God. That's how you need to live each day. So how do I need to live my life? How do you need to live your life? We need to live our lives According to this awareness that one day I'll stand before God and I'll give an answer according to his word 
how I lived my life. It's that simple. But if we keep all this in context, what is the subject that James is dealing with? He's dealing with discrimination and partiality. He's, he's dealing with our treatment to other human beings, right? Is that what James is talking about? Is how we treat one another and how we interact with one another? That, that is exactly the context of what James is dealing with. That is exactly what James is writing about. And so if you consider verse number 12 as he is kind of wrapping up the thoughts as, as it relates to the discrimination and partiality, as he reminds them of the judgment that will one day come, he now transitions in verse number 13 to this subject of mercy. This subject of mercy. Well, what is mercy? Well, mercy is just this. It is kindness. It is compassion or doing good toward others. It's kindness or compassion or doing good toward others. So you've got fellow man, you've got humanity around you. James is talking about their assembly when visitors come in. One has been treated well based upon their perceived wealth and their uh, perceived status and position in life. The other has been treated poorly because of their perceived status in life and their lack of wealth, but their poverty rather. And so what he says in verse number 13 or alludes to is this, is that a believer can go through life not showing mercy to others. Not being kind, not showing compassion, and not doing good toward others. Are we hearing this? James is saying that it is possible for a believer to go through life not showing kindness and compassion and doing good toward others. Now, I don't know who James was writing to. I don't know the names. I don't know the faces. I don't know the lives. I don't know who he was writing to. But you know what I think most would have thought who read his words? I think most would have thought, well, that doesn't define me. Because I am kind, I am merciful, I am compassionate. I do good to people all the time. Yeah, until the poor person shows up in your church with the dirty clothes, and then all of a sudden you sit them over in the corner and basically say, don't disturb us. Is that not a part of the context? It's absolutely a part of the context, friends. James is saying, here's what you've already been guilty of. Here's what you've already done. You've already discriminated against. You've already shown partiality. You've put this one up in a lofty position. You've put this one down in a lowly position. And what you did was sin. Now, you better be reminded of this, believers, he says. We're going to stand before God one day, and we're going to be judged according to the perfect law of liberty. We're going to be judged according to God's word, not social standards, not personal standards not anything else, and, and here's what you've got to realize, that you are capable of being unmerciful even though you don't realize you're unmerciful. So that kind of got me to thinking. I wonder if I'm capable 
of being unmerciful? And I know the answer. The answer is yes. See, if I think about the word mercy, which would, of course, be associated to the idea of being merciful, here's what I know. I'm able to be kind. I'm able to be compassionate. And I'm able to do good toward others. But you know who I'm usually merciful toward? The people I like. Let's follow this. You know, I've got a certain, I've got a certain sphere of people in my life, and and I don't mind being merciful to them, showing kindness to them, and showing compassion to them, and doing good to them. But there are people outside of that sphere of 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 relationship, and and you know what? Anything may go for those people dependent upon my attitude or my thought process in that moment. Let's just think about the last seven days. I wonder how many of us could say in the last seven days, we have exercised proper kindness to every person we've come into contact with. This person at work, this person who's my neighbor, this person who I've found myself in this situation, I exemplified proper kindness to them in every situation. I don't know about you, but I know in the last seven days I have not manifested proper kindness to everyone I've come into contact with. It doesn't mean I've been rude. It doesn't mean I've been hateful. It doesn't mean I've been belligerent. It doesn't mean I've been short and cross with people. But but it just means this. I wasn't as kind as I should have been. Have any of us been there? I wonder how many of us would have to be honest and say this in the last week. You know, I've not exercised, I don't even want to say perfect compassion, because that, that that's just something that's unobtainable by us. But even a proper compassion, I wonder how many of us would have to say this, that sometimes, maybe not in the last week, but in recent days, we would have to be honest and admit something was going on in the life of someone else, and and I just lacked compassion for them. My heart didn't go out to them. I I really didn't have any sympathy for them. I I was really just kind of cold toward the whole idea. I, I, I didn't let my heart be stirred on their behalf. I wonder how many of us would have to say, you know, I struggle in the area of compassion, not with certain people, but certainly with others. I I just don't have it for them like I ought. You know, I'd like to be able to say, well, you know, I, I always exercise goodwill toward men. If I can do good, if I can do right, I, I'm always going to do good toward others. It'd be nice to say, wouldn't it? But is it true? Well, you know, again, to this group of people or to this person or to this family, I, I may always strive to do good to them. But what about the person who's taking advantage of me? What about the person who's mistreating me? What about the person who is, who is doing things that I don't appreciate and doing things that, that, that I think are out of line and, and inappropriate? How quick am I to do good to them? 
See, if I'm honest, here's what I know. Mercy is not something that just comes naturally for me. You know, if we're going to talk about my kindness, if we're going to talk about my compassion, if we're going to talk about my willingness to do good unto all men, yes, I would be quick to say that that there are those that I try to be all those things to them, but you get me outside of that, and it's not that I'm going to be just this horrible, awful individual, but I will not be the person of mercy that I ought to be. Now understand something, please. When you and I fail to show mercy, when you and I fail to be kind, when you and I fail to be compassionate, when you and I fail to do right by others, those in our lives that maybe we would hold at an arm's distance, kind of like these believers to the poverty person, to, to the poor person who was in the dirty clothes. Listen, whenever we fail to show mercy, you know what we could liken that to today? That boomerang that we hold in our hands. And whenever I show a lack of mercy, whenever I show a lack of kindness, compassion, and doing right and doing good toward others, here is what the Scripture shows us, and we'll see it in just a minute. It's kind of like I'm taking that lack of mercy and I am casting it perfectly. And you know what James said? It's coming back to you, buddy. It will return. It may take a while. It may, it may be a while before you see this, but... But see, if you don't exercise mercy, mercy will not be shown to you. Well, how do we know? Well, besides other places in the scriptures that would support this, just look in verse number 12. So speak ye, and so do. Live as ye ought, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he, the individual, shall have judgment without mercy that showed no mercy. Are we following this? Judgment is going to happen, and we will be judged by the perfect law of liberty. For the person who had no mercy, who showed no mercy... You know what they will be shown on that day of judgment? No mercy. Who will the judge be that we stand before? That will be God. And here's what James is saying. When you stand before the Lord, you know what kind of mercy you will be the recipient of? The same kind of mercy you gave out in this life. How you showed mercy is how you will receive mercy when you stand before the Lord. See, again, I've got to and you've got to. We've got to give an account for this life we lived according to what? The law of liberty. So God is going to be the judge that we stand before and give an answer to. 
And James simply said this, if you lived with no mercy, you'll be shown no mercy. It'll be strictly by the book. Now, I can't understand every aspect of this, so I can't explain every aspect of this. James goes on to say, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment, which most people say that what it's teaching here is that mercy triumphs or is victorious over judgment. But here's the idea that seems to be conveyed, that it's kind of like in our courtroom situations today. How many of us have ever been in a courtroom situation? Many of us have at some point in our life for different reasons. And so it's kind of like this. As you stand before the judge, what does the judge have available to them? Well, they have the law available to them, right? And the law is unchanging, is it not? The, the, the judge has the law available to them, and the judge is familiar with the law, and the judge knows what is within their rights to exercise by way of judgment according to that law. But we also know this, if we've ever paid attention, that a judge, based on their discretion, can show leniency even in light of the law that is declared. A judge has within their power to execute the strongest of punishment for the crime committed, or the judge can say, I know what the law is, and I will not let you off completely but based on actions, based on attitude, based on behavior, based on spirit, based on what you have been, in light of that, I can show you some leniency to where you don't feel the full effect of your violation of the law. Now think about this. Whenever I stand before the Lord, God has his word that he can judge my life according to and will judge my life according to and he has the authority to execute the law to the fullest extent whenever I stand before him. He can. But if I have been one who has shown mercy, you know what I'll receive? Some leniency when I stand before the judge. But if I have shown no mercy, if I have shown no kindness, shown no compassion, and no good will and right actions to those in my life, if I haven't done that, no leniency will be given. So to, to try to make that clear, if I show mercy, I'll receive mercy. If I don't show mercy, I'll not be the recipient of it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, I'm pretty sure I'll want all the mercy he can afford. I will want all the leniency that he can show me in that day. I will not want justice. I will not want a right verdict. 
Because I don't want and you don't want, none of us do, what we deserve. I will want leniency. I will want there to be some mercy shown toward me on my behalf. You know what I better be busy about doing then? Showing mercy in this life that God's given me. And if you want leniency, here's what you better be busy about. Showing mercy to those that God brings into your life. Someone comes into your life and they're not a part of your inner circle. They're not a part of of who you would normally associate with. You, You might want to so speak and so do being mindful of the judgment day and say, you know what, that person may not be who I would naturally be attracted to, but I better still better be nice to them. That person may get on my nerves. I better still be compassionate toward them and what they're going through. That person may frustrate me to no end. I still better do them right. Because it's not about me being merciful and me being what I'm supposed to be to those that I love and to those that I'm close to. Again, the context shows us it's about being merciful to those that we would not naturally extend it to. And so this morning I'm going to ask you, just think about it. It's a simple question. Maybe a painful answer, but it's a simple question. How merciful are you outside of that realm of those you are close to? What, what level of mercy do you go through your life with? You know, some of us can be very black and white, can we not? We can be very harsh, we can be very direct, we can be very hurtful sometimes, we can be very hateful sometimes, and and there's not a lot of consideration for, for the people who are standing before us. We need to speak and we need to do as the one who's going to stand before the Lord one day because we will stand before the Lord one day. What kind of mercy do we live with toward others throughout our daily lives? Because many of us, I don't know the percentage, many of us, we struggle in that area if we're honest. And we got to remember, it will come back to us. Not a maybe, not by chance it will come back to us in one way or another. If we want mercy, what must we be? Merciful. It's pretty clear. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I pray that you would help us to to do some honest evaluation of who we are. Lord, with your help, you can show us just how merciful we really are, how kind we really are, how compassionate we are, how quick we are to do good and to do right toward others. 
Lord, I think many of us would have to admit that it, it's a struggle sometimes because we're not always living in light of the fact that we'll one day stand before you. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be men and women who strive for mercy so that when we stand before you and it comes back to us, we can be the recipient of it. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.